So Chris, how's it all going? Not bad. How are you? Good. It's good to be in person and like uh, not do this over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Been a while. So we're going to talk about a few different things today. Mm-hmm. Problems that artists may have, getting the music out there, getting seen, getting heard, getting traction, that kind of thing. Sure. So what do you think the number one problem is that music artists are facing today? Well, one that's quite common um, through my experience with artists is that uh, this issue that comes up a lot and um, a lot of people can probably relate to this, but this issue of like spinning plates. So um, if you're like an artist or a producer, you know, you're a musician and you're like trying to build your brand online, right? You're probably trying or have tried all of the things, right? Like Instagram, TikTok, all of that stuff. And, you know, it feels like a lot, right? Especially when you, you know, there's a lot of uh, information online. It's like, oh, you need to post on Instagram five times a day or you need to do reels and you need to do TikToks. All these things you need to do, but it's a lot. And I sometimes I think actually that people do a lot of these things, but they don't necessarily know actually what's making a tangible impact on their brand, on their, you know, music, their fan base, uh, you know, their business, if you like. Um, and it's something I've thought about a lot. And I think it's something we've all kind of um, experienced, um, you know, just building anything. But uh, but I do believe that like sometimes it's an issue in in lieu of like a model, in lieu of like a process that that works, if that makes sense. Because if you're trying to cram in Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and if you're just like spinning plates, just trying to keep it all up, it's not really a cohesive model. It's not really a cohesive kind of plan. You're just trying to keep it all up. And, you know, it causes burnout for artists and producers and musicians, if that makes sense. Yeah, what I'm always thinking about is, do I need to just focus on a platform that works? Mm. Or do I need to find a kind of system so I can distribute on all these different platforms? Or do you need to outsource this? Right. Uh, It does seem a little fake if someone else is responding to your messages and comments and stuff. I feel like if the brand is you as a person, you kind of have to respond to it. Because if you're outsourcing even like YouTube comments or something. It just mm. seems a little fake if someone else is doing it. Yeah. I think it's it's a good point you make, especially about um, the, you know, the platform that works for you. Because I feel like sometimes people get into the trap of like jumping on what's hot at the moment, even though it's not, it doesn't necessarily make an impact. On the surface, it might look good, right? Because you've got X amount of views that's more views or whatever impressions you measure on another thing but it's also just knowing like it's also connecting it to the to the end game which is building a fan base or setting albums or setting t-shirts or or what have you yep tickets Um, to your events yeah exactly exactly it's like it's like you know um on spotify it's like artists on spotify who've got millions of streams but can't sell a ticket because it's you know just because it's more does on that level doesn't mean it's like tangibly benefiting your business on on a real level yeah um but i do think 
sometimes it's just a lack of a knowing what's really working and and how to measure that because how you measure something is important how you measure something determines the outcome of that measure right um but it's also often a lack of a model you know and this is sometimes you know what i try and help artists to nail down is like no actually have a kind of working model for your marketing for your like content production you know this is this is a good example that we're doing now right we're doing a video podcast mm-hmm. right and then from this you know we're going to derive a lot of content from it you know like we can post produce this content you know this is this is a long form piece of content right we're doing video we're doing multiple cameras we've got multiple microphones we've even got a vlog camera here which is cool so we could do behind the scenes stuff and uh here it is there we go what one is this again uh that's the sony rx 100 mark 8 i believe great and that's the the crane m3 great the stabilizer so i mean even without that and we just had like a bunch of smartphones right even the phone before, yeah, yeah a bunch of smartphones you know from that we can you know mix it all down edit it all down create you know TikTok assets, we can create Instagram assets, YouTube assets, podcast assets. Obviously, this will go out as an audio uh, podcast. And from making this one piece of content, we're probably going to make like 20 assets, right? And this is what, um, you know, this is what, this is how it works in like advertising land and marketing land. They actually make a hero piece of content, right? Which for a musician might be music videos, obviously. Um, and or video podcasts or vlogs or whatever, make a hero piece of content and then from that derive assets from it. And I think that having a model, like having a system, a process, something that you can conceptualize, gets you out of the rat race, if you like, of um, the daily social media grind and that sort of thing because then you just use social media as distribution. Like obviously you've got to be in there and still be engaged, right? But in terms of maximum impressions, having a model allows you to, you know, make content efficiently and get the most impressions out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it seems like you're kind of not, well, you're not killing two birds with one stone, you're killing 10 birds with one stone. Absolutely. You're you're making one piece of content and then distributing everywhere rather than making it separate for each platform. Yeah. It may be more efficient making it separate for each platform. However, it's going to take so much longer. Yeah, and you know, like that and there's lots of things you could do in post produce like you can uh for example uh you could even just take the audio of the podcast, upload it to Canva and make like a little title thing, like a branded. So your brand is in there, but you've got like the titles coming up or whatever software you might use. Canva's good for a lot of stuff actually especially for like uh short form social media clips if you've got the audio and video or photo assets you can just upload them and you know that's good because it's free as well Oh, it's free yeah and it's on the web so um you know that's that's kind of the idea you know like if i wanted to like because maybe we'll put a piece of this on instagram reels for example um a client of mine christian pryor is really good at doing this he takes the he takes video clips from the podcast, but he also takes um, the audio and makes like 
so that the titles, the the subtitles appear on the screen and that goes on Instagram as a reel, which is pretty cool. So yeah, like it's just about having a a content production model or content marketing model, which I think is uh can be especially good if you're um, you know, building up to a release of an album and that sort of thing. I mean, podcasts are great. I think video podcasts are a good way to do it because you can talk to people and podcasts are the good thing about podcasts is it's it can be active content and passive content. So it's something that people can listen to on the go, in the car, on the gone out for a walk. But it's also something that someone can actively watch on YouTube. I just think podcasts just seem a lot more real. Yeah. I listen yeah. to podcasts more than I do audiobooks. Yeah. Obviously your audiobooks they've carefully scripted word for word. Yeah. But it just seems a lot more enjoyable to listen to a podcast for me because it's the it's the author or whoever the guest is just speaking, being themselves. Yeah. They're not exactly scripting everything perfectly, which in a way it seems a bit more congruent, seems a bit more real, a bit more raw, which I personally enjoy. It's more believable, isn't yeah. it? But also it's just a really easy way to make content. Like and if you're a musician If you know what you're talking about. If you know what you're talking about, yeah. But, you know, even if you're just chatting, right? You, you don't have to, because the content doesn't either have to be a substantial thing. It can just be, like some of the best, the most popular podcasts in the world are just stories, conversation. Like they're, they are just chats, right? But it can be more of a topic, obviously. Um, I mean, for musicians and artists, I think it's an easy win because... If you invite your fellow musicians on a podcast, they're, they're going to come on because, and then there's like the cross uh, pollination of audiences happening there. You could talk anecdotally about being a musician and tell stories and that sort of thing. I think it actually is a really cool way to build a brand using podcasts because invariably you're going to start telling anecdotes and telling your story. And that is the brand, right? That is who you are as an artist. That's your identity as far as your fans are concerned. Well, there's a few things you can say that is very unique to you. Yeah. Why you made the album. Yeah. How you made it. Yeah. Inspirations. Uh, ups and downs, like what struggles you had making it. Everyone has struggled. Well, I presume everyone make, has struggles making music. Sometimes you're just on it. For me anyway, sometimes I can just yeah. write and produce and it's awesome. Other times, absolutely terrible and I can't get anything done. So yeah. I wish I knew what, I can do <laughs> so I'm all, always on it but I don't think that's possible I think it's just writer's yeah. block I mean it's yeah it's just a great medium for that stuff I mean it's you know it's um like especially when you're working with other people I think you know because it kind of takes two to tango with a podcast I think at least People do solo podcasts, though. It is a thing. I've done solo live streams and solo podcasts. It's hard. It's hard, yeah. Because when you, for example, if I speak and I stop, uh, I got to think about the next thing I got to say. But you're going to say something, and I can, yeah. I can riff off that. Yeah. Another thing, uh, which is, uh, which we're going to do after this, is live Q and A. So once you've already got an audience, and you don't. Sometimes I don't know what to talk about. But if you do a live Q and A, someone's going to ask you questions. And you've got something to talk about. You can chop that up, stick it on Instagram, stick it on YouTube, wherever. Mm-hmm. So your audience will ask the questions you want to, yeah, they want you to answer. Yeah, another benefit of podcasting, like I've actually had clients do this. I'm like, hey, make a podcast. Not We're not making a podcast, but make one for me. Because um, especially if they're a band, 
because then they can talk to each other about being in the band or like about being musicians. And invariably, they just start opening up about their experiences and their story. And then I'm like, cool. Now from this, we can write a bio. We can, you know, add to the press kit or what have you. You can derive the words you said in this into social media content. This is your story. This is your brand, you know, and maybe we will pull it out as a podcast. Does that make sense? Yeah, I sometimes find it a lot easier to express myself speaking rather than writing. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people can do that. So which is why I make a lot of videos because I can talk for a very long time. Sure. But I've never written a book. Sure. <laughs> I don't think the book would be as good. Just my my kind of process of, of learning and understanding is very kind of oral rather than writing. It depends on the person, really. But all the words you've said on video and on podcasts, they can be written down and then that can be, this is what we're talking about. We're deriving content from content, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, but I think it also has some internal benefit as well. If you've got a podcast, you've made podcasts and you've told your story on it or you've spoken to other people, like even just listening back to it, it kind of creates a feedback loop for yourself that kind of reinforces your identity, like your story and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, going back to that, uh, I know a lot of people actually, they speak the words and then they have someone transcribe that and turn yeah. it into a book. I know Russell Brand does that. Uh, I've done that with a project as well. So it just, it depends on, yeah. Or you could even hire, you could hire someone to make blog posts out of your podcast. Absolutely. I know you do that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, which is really cool in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like some of my, like some articles that I've written are based on things that I've once said on a podcast or on a video. I'm like, oh, I need to remember that because I've listened back to it or watched it again. I'm like, oh, I'll write that down. That's, I'm going to put that in an article. It's more fun as well, in my opinion. Like us talking now for an hour or so or however long it's going to be, it seems quite fun, enjoyable, having a conversation. But if someone said, I want you to write an article now for an hour, but great yeah <laughs> I wouldn't mind so much I quite like writing personally depends on what you enjoy but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for me talking for an hour is a lot more enjoyable than writing sure. for an hour sure well it's a bit more sociable yeah. isn't, as well isn't it you converse with someone you're having a conversation They're, a lot of people like being yeah I just sociable. think it's just it's just an easy win making a, I mean it's it's not easy like it's hard to do it's work right but you know it's it, in terms of you, but you, on a creative level you don't necessarily have to really make anything up you're not the one editing this video true that so I do uh, the video editing yeah yeah and it takes a while it does take a while <laughs> it takes yeah. a while yeah uh, so I know from um, making tutorial videos that especially if there was a, a camera issue or something like that uh, midway through which we have just experienced uh, funny enough um, it can be you know a bit annoying to edit it and whatever but Hopefully, if you do it all in one take and it's a podcast, like it's a conversation, it's not, apart from like, you know, rendering everything down, there shouldn't be too much chopping. But like, I know from making like tutorial videos or like video lectures and that sort of thing, um, and I'm in ScreenFlow after recording it, and I'm, especially when it's me and my voice, I get quite annoyed with myself. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, and I remember, I know when I'm recording it and I, you know, make a mistake on um, on the word that I'm trying to say and then I'm like oh and then I have to pause and whatever but if it's just a podcast and it's a conversation and it's quite open um, you know you can capture a lot of stuff 
quite easily. Well, yeah, you have to buy the equipment as well, which isn't always the cheapest. Yeah. But compared to what, like 10 years ago, it's so much cheaper. I would argue though that like if you've got one or two good microphones, which you probably will do as a musician, um, and a relatively modern smartphone or two and good lighting, right? Like the lighting is key there really. Um, you can get going because you might have an iPhone and one in the cupboard, you know, and then you've got two, right? Like you've got two angles or what have you, or one as a backup that's and just some good lighting. That's a good point. This microphone I originally bought for recording music and yeah, for vocals and for recording bass and stuff. And then, uh, so if you are a musician, you probably have a few mics. I probably recommend getting a dynamic mic if you're in a treated room rather than a condenser, but just use what you got to start with. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know, and there's, uh, you could do so much, so much with it. You can also like top and tail the episodes with, you know, announcements, news, that sort of thing. You know, you could open up the podcast saying, hey, in this podcast, I'm talking to whoever I'm talking to. And then you say, by the way, I've got a new single coming out or I've got a new music video coming out or I've got a new album coming out. Don't miss a beat. Subscribe to my email list. Um, to be the first to hear it, that sort of thing. So you can add those call to actions. Like after the event, you can just, you know, speak into the mic and just add that in, top and tail the, the podcasts. You can even, um, I find uh, distributing my podcast through anchor.fm that you can even edit the same podcast in the... Um, like you can replace the audio. So if you want to put new calls, calls to action oh, on the no. same, yeah, yeah, they still exist. So that's good if you if you have a tour coming up. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm going to be in Stockholm. Next day I'll be in Copenhagen or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I do I do think uh, promoting your tour is a great idea for a podcast because it's one 100%. thing seeing this on video and stuff. There's another thing actually like seeing someone in person. It's a yeah. completely different experience. And you could maybe when you're on tour, uh, you could do a behind-the-scenes podcast episode special thing, just saying, oh, hey, yeah, we just played here or we've got this gig coming up, you know, or we're about to play if you have the time or whatever. But, you know, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff like that can be quite cool. You could even take like a Zoom H5 or H6 or something, a couple of uh, Shure SM7Bs yeah. and uh, do a podcast with uh, the support band or <laughs> whoever else is playing that night like in the green room. That'd be pretty cool if I was sat there waiting to play because when you play a gig, you sat around waiting for hours between like sound check and performing. Yeah. Someone's like, uh, a couple of phones here. You want to do a podcast? Could be pretty cool. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And a lot of artists are getting behind it as well. Like even Metallica did a podcast uh, prior to the releasing of, was it the remastered Black Album or like the re-versioned Black Album recently? And on Spotify you can actually, you can make playlists that include podcast episodes and music as well. So in a single playlist, you can have like a whole kind of like um, catalog of relevant audio content, you know, between music and, and episodes. Okay, let's talk about live streaming now. Right. So do you think it's relevant to live stream your podcast? Yeah, so we could live stream now, for example, do the podcast on a live stream and then, you know, post-produce the podcast and distribute it as a podcast afterwards. But we could be live streaming now. I have a few issues with live streaming. The first one's pressure. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain time you have to do it. You have to let the audience know. And also, 
I have a bit of performance anxiety if it's live because I know I have to do everything in one take. I can't say anything wrong. I can't say anything like, yeah, just incorrect. Yeah. But when it's recording like this, I've got that kind of a uh, kind of that in the back of my mind that if it's, I say something wrong, it's all right. I can edit it. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the content, right? And depends on like I think if you're doing it because if you're doing it live. Live doesn't necessarily mean to everyone, actually. You could do a more intimate live setting via Zoom with like your core group of fans, like just the people in the mailing list. I don't think live always has to be like the widest audience, actually. I think it should be more intimate. Like this as well, we don't really want people kind of interrupting us and talking to us no, right now. Yeah. But later on, we're going to do a live Q&A, which we want people talking with us. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think for gigs, it could be cool live. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um for sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty open medium in that way, right? And it can serve a lot of things. Well, the good thing is we've all got, well, almost all of us have got smartphones, so you just yeah. open up YouTube, open up Facebook or whatever and just go live on there, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just think about it, how crazy that technology is. You have this super fast computer in your pocket and you can live stream to people all around the world. It blows my mind every time I think about it. Very cool, though. So what are we going to do with this podcast, Thomas? This podcast, we're going to find some juicy segments and stick it on YouTube. Some sound bites. Juicy, juicy, like five minute, 10 minute clips on YouTube. We put maybe some 30 second bits on maybe Insta, um, TikTok, same little, little juicy bits, nuggets. Yeah. And then we have the whole long form on there. We, we put on your podcast, your audio yeah, yeah. podcast. I'll push it through Anchor. The whole thing. And then it goes onto Spotify, well, yeah. Apple. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's probably a few other platforms we can do as well, but they're kind of the main ones at the moment. But the point is we're making like one asset and from that cutting it down into smaller assets. Yeah, however, as I, as I mentioned earlier, someone has to edit it. Someone has to do it. But luckily I'm pretty fast at editing. There's a, yeah. Once you know your keyboard shortcuts, once you get used to it, it's, here's a quick process. Once you know your audio presets, so mixing the audio uh, is very important. Yeah. So certain things obviously. So do you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, But at first I think keep it simple then, isn't it? Like, you know, don't overcomplicate out the gate if you've never done it before. Because then you, you have to learn what it's going to be like yes. to post-produce it and everything. Yes. It's a balance. You you want to do it quick and save your time, but you also want it to look high quality. Yeah. Um, Not always suitable for everyone, but the easiest way to do that is to buy good equipment. Yeah, sure. Like this camera. We didn't set, spend that long setting up on this one as well. But it looks good because it's a pretty yeah. expensive camera and... But they do cost a few quid. Same with the microphones. The microphones are a bit more affordable. And I'd say the microphones are more important. I, th I feel like a lot of people focus on the camera, especially for YouTube, rather than the audio. When people yeah. are watching it, they're watching it on the phone and stuff. They're not really looking at the camera. Yeah. It might be open on a tab. Yeah, and a lot as, of times. Whilst they're doing other things. Also, a lot of time people are listening to it on their phone speakers as well. Yeah. So yeah. The, the audio doesn't have to be amazing, it just has to be clear. So I've always said that like good audio makes video look better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you just... you It just has like a, quality. a professionalism when you hear yeah. high quality audio. 100%. So if I, if I... Just for this example, I'm going to swap this over to the built-in mic on the camera. So I'm going to talk now just for a bit of fun. You can hear it sounds terrible, right? Let's swap over to this microphone. And we actually have some backup mics as well. Uh, just So we're going to swap over to these backup mics so you can hear the difference. But the backup mic's all right. The built-in mic is terrible. But this mic here... Sounds really good, in my opinion. Mm. So, and this 
building is not a commercial no, this, unit. This no, is a house. This is a house. We're just yeah. filming this in the house. Yeah. So sometimes it's better filming the house because, well, the main thing is time frame. So uh, so if you go to a studio, you've booked for a certain amount of time because yeah. you have to pay for the time. So you have to rush. And sometimes it looks better at home because you can spend ages getting it perfect just how you want it. If you're in a sure. studio, like, camera, the lights, quick, time, time, we've only got an hour left. And there's a lot of pressure. You might rush. You might, uh, <laughs> you might get sweaty and stuff. You can't go have a shower if you're at a studio. Do you know what I mean? There's certain things that recording at home, the home comfort, you can go get like your tea and coffee that you like, your snacks and stuff. Yeah. You can feel more comfortable at home rather than uh, in a studio. It's probably better for the guest as well, isn't it? It just feels more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think as I think as well, if you're like a music producer or an artist and you have a home studio, it's kind of cool to do it there, isn't it? Because then that's that's where it happens. Yeah, best of both worlds. You get the kind of cool like background, the yeah. professional vibe, but it's also that homely feel, which which is cool. Hundred percent. So yeah, I think it's a good idea, Thomas. Anyway, so uh, you're a music artist, but the main thing you're concerned about is just how many hours there are in a day. Maybe. You have children. Maybe you work a full time job. Mm. Like how do you find the time to make the music, promote the music, and do all this social media stuff as well? We're talking about. Yeah, I think it's, you know, prioritizing what. I think it's being really honest and being very objective about what actually moves the needle. I can't tell you what it is. It, you have to look, but you have to be kind of like. Because it's not always going to be what A, you want it to be or B, think it is um, when you're just thinking about it. But it's being honest about what really moves the needle and allocating fewer resources to the things that don't and more to the things that do. But it's hard. It's not actually always easy to measure. Um, but I, I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, look at my YouTube channel. Some of the videos, I get quite a lot of views, uh, maybe a handful, but the vast majority, not really. Yeah. So it's kind of, I kind of have to realize what the videos that people are actually watching and make more like that rather than just guessing what I think people want. But even then sometimes even views aren't the thing that move the needle the most. It could be like, you might have a video that converts into more email subscribers, which is more valuable because you know on the back of that, you're going to sell some t-shirts. Yes. It's also what you enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. So for example, that music video I sent you earlier, so I made a music video um as you know, recently, I was I was kind of out in the countryside filming. It was like waterfalls and stuff. It was really fun. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be popular or not, but I enjoyed the process. Yeah, so you can't regret it. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of upped my skill, like camera and like the camera skills and stuff, which is always a bit fun. So learning new stuff. Obviously, I produced all the music as well, which I really enjoy. Yeah. And it's just easier to do something you enjoy. Well, it takes, I could it takes have, less energy. I, I could have hired someone to make the video for me, but I just right. felt like I had a vision in my head I want to do it myself. Right. I felt like it'd be more fun. It just feels a bit more raw when, when it's the artist that creates it all rather than outsourcing everything. But I do feel like some things are just overproduced and overpolished. Like you Definitely. see pop videos nowadays, it's just too perfect. Well, it's it's kind of a fact as well, actually. There's like a lot of studies about especially on social media, right? Because no one really goes on social media to be sold to, even though they are advertising platforms. No one goes on there to be sold to. They're just, you know, they're just keeping up with each other's lives, isn't it? And that's, you know, that's like low production value, 
photo content, video content of each other's holidays and kids and that sort of thing. You know, the second I think something is overly produced, you're like, oh, this is an ad, yes. right? Like the, I'm, I'm being sold to right now. But there's a balance, right? You want it to, you want to get the message across and you're not, but I think it's also the difference between like selling and brand building. You can, you, you're brand building with podcasts, you're brand building with, you know, just doing what you do. But like when you're trying to promote something, it's different, right? Also something scripted, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've made that mistake. Yeah, we, we've done yeah. some videos before and we use a teleprompter and... <sighs> it's bad, man. It's bad. Memories but I can't even delete. There are news anchors who are very good at uh, reading from a teleprompter. Yeah. But that's the news, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's what you expect. You expect word yeah. for word perfect for the news. Yeah. But for a podcast or for a video... Yeah, we've, yeah. we've since removed a lot of those videos. <laughs> delete. Yeah. Can't delete the memories, though. <laughs> There's just something authentic about just speaking yeah. from the heart, speaking from exactly what you're feeling, rather than yeah, putting on a fake facade. There's certain things like uh, certain professions where people have to be happy or friendly all the time. Sure. And that's uh, for, for a music artist. Um, I was listening to Boxcar Racer. I don't know if it's the, one of the side project bands from Blink White too. And Tom DeLonge, the, the lead singer from that band, was there. Uh, going through a lot of troubles and he was on some painkillers and he was going through a really dark time and it really showed in that music. Sure. It's really kind of like, Blink was kind of like code and jovial, like teenage pop punk and then uh, Boxcar Race came out and it was dark, man, but it was really raw and it was it was, it was great just that music coming out just show, expressing exactly how he felt. If he just continued doing the kind of light-hearted, light-hearted pop punk stuff, it would feel a bit incongruent but there is certain there's a certain element of, uh, I don't know, just certain element of authenticity. Yeah, authenticity coming from the heart. Just, just feels real and raw. You can, yeah. for that example, the boxcar racer, you can really feel that from hearing that album, which, in my opinion, is is one of the best uh, albums that Tom DeLonge's done. And when you're listening to the music, you're probably connecting what you heard, isn't it? Like you're. Right, you're connecting those two things, like the story and the music. You're like, oh, yeah. this makes sense. It contextualizes the music. Like if you're having a bad day, the podcast should be, hey everyone, how are you all doing? It should be like reflecting yeah, how yeah. you feel because the audience members can they can sense when yeah. something's fake. They can sense when you're when you're BSing. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then you get awkward silences like this. Like that one. Like that one. So. That's the disadvantage of a podcast. Do you leave it in? Do you? Yeah, I don't know. Do you chop it out? Do you leave it in? Because in, in the radio world, that's like illegal. Oh. But not in podcasts. Yeah. But it is sometimes I've listened to podcasts and there's been dead air for a second. I'm like, has it turned off? Has it like, has my phone d died or something? But yeah, but it happens. But you know, you can edit it. You can not edit it. Yeah, one thing I'm against in podcasts is people eating and drinking. A lot of podcasts do yeah, that. Kind of annoying. They hear crunching and yeah. slurping on drinks. It makes me hungry. Yeah, it's just a little bit annoying. I listened to a podcast once, I think, with Dead Mouse, and he was eating chips. That's very Dead Mouse. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, no. But, but that makes him great. The him not caring uh, makes him kind of cool in a way. You can swear on podcasts as well. 
We nearly swore just then, but Did, we didn't. Almost. Depends where you're putting it. Yeah. I, I, I prefer not to swear just because it gives you more options then. Because if you sw- you can still convey the feeling of the curse word without cur- using it. Um, but then you're kind of limiting yourself of where you put the podcast. I, the ones I put audio only on podcast platforms, I leave the swearing swearing in. But if I was going to use it in more promotional content, maybe I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd maybe censor it or edit it. Um, but yeah, swearing happens. Going back to Dead Mice, because he obviously swears a lot. Um, he does, yeah. His authenticity is is pretty out there. Like when he talks, you know he's speaking from the heart. He's speaking how he's not doing some because some some very popular artist, it just doesn't feel real. It's just too smiley and happy and kind of Hollywood. But Dad Mouse, he's raw, man. <laughs> Have you seen these Twitch streams from his studio? Uh, I've really seen his cool. computer gaming ones. Yeah, I think that's what I meant. Yeah, it's like I'm not even sure if he does them on Twitch actually, but he's like an OG live streamer. Like okay. before, like yeah. Twitch and stuff. Um, like they're really, really cool. And he, some for a lot of it, he's just hanging and chatting, you know, and just t- speaking his mind or whatever. Um, but it's also in his like ridiculously cool home studio. Oh yeah, and that sort of thing. But um, another good example, actually, one, one I want to bring up that I'm kind of a, obsessed with recently. This isn't necessarily a podcasting thing, but it's a good kind of, um, it's a good like you know, going from a long-form piece of content and having a production model. Um, Herman Lee of Dragon Force. Okay. You know Dragon Force? They, I know of them. Yeah. I haven't heard their music in a very long time. So you know they did that song, Through the, uh, Through the Fire and the Flames. Yeah. Which was like the boss mode on Guitar Hero 3. Okay. Right, so like on Guitar, Guitar Hero 3, I think, the final boss is that song. Because it's like, you know, like it's ridiculously kind of shreddy, virtuosity guitar. And Herman Lee is the lead guitarist of Dragon Force, right? And he um, he does, on Twitch, he does these live streams where he will have like guitarist friends come on with him and they're like in a living room and perform performing like, through the fire and the flame solos together and that sort of thing. And it's all fun. It's like not it's cool. Yeah, it's just fun. What he also does and has done is for the uh what he does is for the more like famous solos, like the solo from Through the Fire and the Flames, he on live stream, uh, sorry, on Twitch, he will live stream him reacting to someone's cover of it on YouTube. And it's so good. Like he's in the chat with his Twitch community and they're both, you know, both him and his community are watching uh, the YouTube video of someone else covering his solo and he's reacting to it and like reviewing it. And uh, there's one where he did with um, this, uh, their name's Tina S and... um, She's quite young and she's like she she's like a virtuoso guitarist and the video is from like 2015 or something and she kills it. She like tears apart the solo. It's amazing. And he's watching it. He's like, oh, wow. He pauses it. It's like, wow, that was amazing. That was amazing. He does this on Twitch, right? And he's got the chat and everything like that. And then he puts that video up on the Dragon Force YouTube channel. 
after it's edited. And then he even jokingly says on the video, he goes, oh, we're going to put this on YouTube and it's probably going to get more views than the upcoming music video because that's how life is. <laughs> he literally said that. It's really funny. But he's a really good, like, because he does it on Twitch to his Twitch community and then he p- puts it on the Dragon Force YouTube. It's so good. And it's like kind of meta content because it's also a reaction video to an existing YouTube video of someone performing his solo, you know. Yeah, I kind of like his kind of comedy musicians you get on their YouTube. Yeah. Like Davey504, he's a really good bass player, but he kind of right. does a lot of reaction videos. Kind of, He does like bass competitions against uh, other people online, which is really fun. Uh, there's, I think it's called Two Set Violin, these two violinists. They have some, uh, I don't play the violin, I play a little bit of bass, but I really find the violin videos <laughs> super interesting. Just these two guys kind of roasting other people and having a bit of fun about violin. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot of different avenues you can you can go. I kind of I personally enjoy the the comedy aspect, mixing comedy and music, two like, passions of mine. But um, there's many different routes. But a podcast is an easy one, yeah, because you just talk as long as you know what you're on about. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't just talk was well. It depends on the topic. For example, I wouldn't just talk. I wouldn't go on a a fashion designer podcast because I wouldn't know what I'm sure. talking about. But the podcast doesn't have to be a thing, I think. It's like, it could just be like, you know, if you're a musician and you're doing a podcast with a fellow musician, maybe a friend of yours, like, how's it going? You know, what have you been up to recently? And then you just start talking. Um, You know, and it could just be, well, it could just be life as a musician. Like, again, my, my friend Christian Pryor, he does a really good one where you know, because he's a working musician and his friends are working musicians and they go on the podcast and just talk about life as working musicians, which for most people is probably a pretty cool thing to hear and pretty insightful thing to hear about because most people aren't working musicians. It's, it's a cool thing to be, right? Um, but to them, it's obviously normal. That's their life. But, you know, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like you're, especially when you're hearing about how things happen. You know, it's pretty cool. I like little anecdotes. So yeah, yeah. Crazy stories about the gigs or whatever. It's always, it's always good some fun. of my favorite podcasts are just some of the stories that are told. I think like for a musician, I think even just making, let's say you're an artist and you're working with a producer on your album, make a podcast, talk about, it's like, oh, hey, we, you know, it's like, oh, we recorded, you know, what's, what might be the lead single of the upcoming album. Do you remember when, you know, we had to redo that bit or like, you know, or when there was an issue with the mixing console or something or like, I, just, I think it's a good opportunity in to make content that promotes the thing you're trying to promote. You could always just take a kind of handy recorder with you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to, sometimes though it's hard, isn't it? It's like, you're like, oh, okay, now I have to like record the production of something. Do you always think you know? when you're down in a coffee shop with one of your friends or you're down in the pub, you think, oh, that would have been great if we recorded that conversation. Yeah. We had yeah. a really cool conversation. Imagine if we recorded that, other people got to hear what we're talking about. That would, yeah. been, that would have been, that would have gone viral or you think in your head that anyway. Pub might be hard though. It's pretty noisy. Depends what pub. A little, little quiet pub might be all right. That's the fire. Reminds me of that Family Guy episode where they start a podcast in the pub. I have not seen that. We might have to watch that after yeah. this. <laughs> but maybe, so, yeah. maybe that's the future. Every every pub you go to has like a soundproof booth. 
<laughs> that appears when you press a button. The mics come down and you can film a podcast and a handy yeah. recorder. So, oh, if you wanted a recording of all of the rubbish that you discussed in the last four hours. If you'd like to buy a drink, it's £5. If you want to have the podcast experience, it's £7 per drink. Yeah. Could be the future, you never know. But there is a pirate studios in the UK. They do have their podcast studios there. Yeah. So you could go in there. So if you don't have... um. They don't have cameras, but if you don't have like a, an audio interface or uh, a microphone, they have the mics and they have the, I think it's a Rode uh, recording device for podcasts. So if you don't have access to a location, say you've got, I don't know, say you've got kids at home and they're noisy, yeah, sure. uh, you could always go to Pirate Studios or somewhere else that has a podcast recording facilities. Absolutely. So where do you think the future lies for, for artists? The future. The future. Hmm. Well. I think it's going back to gigs. I think there's, I think with gigs, like, I think even going through and coming out of the pandemic, I don't, I feel like we still didn't quite nail down the online gig thing. Mm, I mean, not the same. It's not the same, but I think, I, I honestly believe, this is what I truly believe, that everyone tried too hard to do it on Instagram and YouTube when what what works, in my opinion, like in my experience, is that like do an intimate one on Zoom. I think that's also a, a sort of thing, like something ticketed. It might not even have to cost money, but like it's more intimate. I disagree. I think we have so much available on our smartphones and computers and tablets that it's just, we don't get the smell, we don't get the feeling of going to a live performance, the, yeah. the roar of the crowd. Oh yeah, it's not the same as, no, no, it's not the same as real life. But I think what most people are doing with live stream can be better yes. than, than that. I think just doing it on Instagram randomly is not a thing. I think you need to make it an event and make it intimate. And for the core fans... You know, yeah. Not not just trying to get as many views on social media as possible. Yeah, it's something you need to like, because also it could be a, you know, because then in the Zoom gig you can have a merch table. You know what I mean? At the end of the gig, you could drop it in the chat and say, "I've got some new merch." You know, here's the link. That sort of thing. You know, after they've enjoyed the intimate gig together. Okay, let me ask you a question. So you recently saw the band Tall. Yeah. Which is one of your favourite bands, right? Uh-huh. So what did you take away from that gig? What was it the feeling of of being around the crowd? Or was it the feeling of seeing them live? Or was it just hearing some of your favourite songs on a big sound system? Was it all of the above? What what did you enjoy most about that live experience? I mean, tall are pretty you know, there's only one tool, right? But the crowd were definitely something. I mean, it was at first of all, it was at the O2 Arena, which is intense very intense we were quite high up um but uh there were people i remember two two particular guys and they were right there like maybe a few seats down from us and to the right and they were like standing up and like losing it because that because i mean the thing with tall is there's a lot of story with tall and for the longest time they weren't around you know, and um, so them coming back, even though that was a few years ago, them coming back, um, even 
you know, at the gig the other day, people were still like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is even happening. Uh, and they were like, lose I actually thought they were going to fall down, like, because they were losing it, these guys. And that was like a big part of my, of the experience that I enjoyed there. It's probably crazy. Those guys might just work a regular job in the office, being very corporate and day-to-day. Yeah. But when they see tall, they go wild. They really let their hair down. Yeah. I imagine I'm like, oh, they're at, they're in a cubicle, nine to five. I mean, I don't think cubicles are much of a thing these days, but like, I'm like, that's probably where they are. And then they lose it. They they channel it all out here amongst the rest of us today in O2 Arena. Um, it's huge. Yeah, like, that's where you get a lot of... Um, sports and music people can really kind of let themselves yeah go yeah kind of get out of their kind of social confined uh <laughs> yeah like lives they live <laughs> they were they were like a not insignificant part of my experience of that gig very good but that's tall you know <laughs> tall or something else you know and they have a really good uh visual component to their shows as well so you're, you're a similar age to me do you remember as a kid you go see a band and you'll get your Nokia 3210 out and call it like it's 20p a minute but I don't care I have to call my best mate because this this is the song we, this is the song we love and you call your mate and like it's home yeah, because your friends would do it years well, if they went and saw I don't know Foo Fighters or whoever you, you listen back and it, it sounds terrible but like, yeah the, it's 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 a Zaffa song, or by the way, or whatever, yeah. Chili Peppers. But anyway, <laughs> so here you hear the song playback. Like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I miss those uh, kind of uh, poor technology days when, when now you, you wouldn't do that with your mate. Maybe do a live stream, but the lack, of te- the lack of technology then made that hearing that really crackly live performance incredible on the phone when your friend was calling you. I missed that because there wasn't all of the WhatsApps and everything. Yeah, it's just... Well, I preferred it before then. So you say to your friend, right, we're meeting at seven. And if they weren't there by 10 past seven, you were gone. Yeah. So it made you, it made you arrive on time. You couldn't check in. You couldn't, oh, are you nearly there? Or, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be five minutes late, traffic or whatnot. So. Yeah. Good old days. Good old days, eh? Well. Couldn't do podcasts then, though. Couldn't do podcasts. Well, not as easily. You have to be on the radio show. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? The podcast is an on-demand radio show that you can produce and distribute yourself. Yes, you're not relying right? on... Do you think that's a good def, a good definition? Well, a radio is more like hot hot bites and stuff. So if you... Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've been in a radio show before. I've been in a few when I was younger, like little band performances and stuff and talks. You get given one minute to talk. Oh, let's hear about yeah, you single. Sure. One minute, you can't really describe what's going on. Because got... there's a limitation of time, yeah. broadcast time, isn't it? But on podcasts, there's not. Yeah. because it's on-demand content. You just upload it and people yeah. consume it. And the radio show don't really care about you. They've got a hundred things to do on that show. You're yeah, just yeah. one of the things on that show. But podcasts, you can talk as long as you want. But I do I do think you have to be some kind of expert or interesting or, or funny to have a podcast. I think if you, uh, like I said, going back to uh, me on a fashion podcast, I'd be awful. I'd wear what you think looks cool. I would be, that would be terrible. So it really depends on what you want to talk about as well. Yeah. But if you're an artist, you've probably got a story. Yes. If you're a music artist or any kind of artist, you can have a passion for that. You're going to be studying it or some kind of working on it or something. So, Because it's not all about information and learning. It's about content, like yeah. stories. Well, you see programs like X Factor. Half of it isn't about the singer. Oh, it's their story. It's the story. It's the whole Susan Boyle. Yeah. 
phenomena. Like uh, Susan Hall, Susan Ball, good singer, but the main reason she got famous is because she didn't look like she was a good singer. Sure. So yeah, they crafted the story around that. Didn't yeah. They? yeah, they actually do that very intentionally, didn't they, on those shows? It works. It works. Storytelling is a thing. And for example, we're speaking now. Um, that music video I sent you. If someone watched that music video, they might think, "Oh, this is a cool song," or they might not. <laughs> uh, but it's, they're going to get a different experience hearing us talk. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. But I wanted to add a bit of character into that video and add some nice scenery. So. Well, shot in a very interesting location. Yeah, wasn't it? Waterfalls and scenic views and stuff. Yeah. I've noticed almost all music videos, everything is kind of slow motion on the half speed. It's yeah. kind of the thing to do. So I put the camera up to 100 frames, uh, 50 frames per second. Some parts are 100 frames per second. I've basically made it slow motion. Yeah. Because that's just what you do for some reason. It's what you do. I don't know why. Us talking now. Law of nature. 25 frames per second, normal, kind of normal frame rate. But music video, why is it slow motion? But I have to do it slow motion because everyone else does it slow, slow motion. Is it slow motion even when the music's fast? I think so. Well, if there's a live performance, if someone's playing the drums, you you can do it, but you want... That feels like... Yeah. You want the performance to be in a regular frame rate, but like any slow motion, any anything else where they're walking or looking around. Could that, I don't know if that's a recent thing or not, but I've noticed it's in slow motion. What are we going to do, Thomas? Maybe we should do a time-lapse music video. That could be the next one. Get everything fast. Break the trend. Break the circle. <laughs> so podcasts, you get random little nit bits like that as well. Yeah, because that's definitely going into something, isn't it? Could it's be. going to be uh, a soundbite. Could that be. That goes viral on... What even... I don't know if that will go viral. <laughs> what even is, like... What are the platforms at the moment? TikTok, isn't it? Is it TikTok? What do you mean? Like the most popular ones. Instagram? TikTok? Yeah. I imagine. YouTube? It depends what it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't watch a music video on Instagram, really. Well, maybe a snippet. Yeah. But you watch a music video on YouTube. Because Instagram and TikTok, they're scrolling platforms. Yes. Yes. Depends what you... If it's a tutorial, yeah. it's going to be YouTube. It's just... If it's a photo, it's going to be Instagram. <laughs> scrolling away... Kind of like you're at that point, you're zoning out, aren't you? You're just scrolling. That's the purpose of those. Platforms. Yeah, if we put this entire podcast, which I imagine is an hour or maybe longer, mm. on TikTok, even if you, I know if you can do that, <laughs> I don't think people will watch it. People on YouTube, though, or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, yeah. maybe someone listens to the whole thing. But take a particular clip for TikTok that was interesting. Yeah, so we say something really, really cool for 20 seconds, boom, to put it on TikTok. And then they go, oh, that was interesting. That's from a yeah. podcast. So when I'm editing, I'll probably use some kind of markers or write down the different points uh, yeah. so, I, I, so I know what could be good for TikTok, what could be good for Instagram. So I think when you're editing as well, it's good to like remember which bits. Otherwise, you've got to go through and watch it all again. You might as well do it while you're editing. Yeah, absolutely. Because the vast majority of people making podcasts, at least when they start, will be editing themselves. Mm. You can outsource it, but some of these video files, if you're filming in 4K, huge. <laughs> yeah, just so sending them. Yeah, it? there might be like 50 gigabytes or something if you're filming in 4K for a, for a, like for an hour or so. Mm. So like, send, if you've got two cameras like this, 100 gigabytes of just sending files to someone. Of mm. course, you can compress the files, make them smaller, but you lose the quality. But I probably should outsource and get someone else to do it, but I, 
I kind of want to do it myself, you know. The curse of perfectionism. You want to do everything yourself because you believe you can do it best, but that isn't necessarily true. No. But that's, yeah, that's internal stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I know how I want it now. I know, how I, I know exactly how I want it, yeah. It's like mixing, isn't it, actually? It's, it's, sometimes it's, um, even if you like hire like a really professional mixing and mastering engineer, it's not how you want it. Yeah, it's like, oh, but that's yeah. that, That's called, that's also called demo love, I think, is when you make a demo and you fall in love with it. So even the even something great, it's like, oh, it's yeah. not, doesn't have that thing, that weird... I, I mentioned you know. to you earlier, I sent a song to a mixing engineer to mix and he was good, but he added extra elements and kind of changed it too much. Yeah. I was more like... Yeah. Kind of just want like the level sorting out and a little bit because it's hard. <laughs> it's hard when you're doing the mixing for someone else because you want to do your thing to not because you not just because you creatively want to do that, but also because you're like, oh, they've hired me to do mixing. I have to do something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like justify your own desk or whatever, but like you know, but that's always a temptation of these things. But sometimes. You know, I mean, artists do it a lot. Like, um, one artist I was talking to recently, like, he went through loads of mixes. I was like, you might just need to do it yourself. And he just did, you know, and it was, a, but he had to go through that process, actually. Yeah. So, to, then, to realize that. So, the new mixing engineer I've used, who's actually uh, Ian Alexander, who we work with all the time. So, I've kind of briefed him that I want it. Basically, sounding the same as now but kind of balance the levels yeah like make it sound more professional and polished but i don't want you to like change the sound design too much or mm. so mm. it depends what the mix engineer specializes in, in well ian does a lot of mastering stuff so that's a lot of that's kind of polishing it rather than like dramatically changed anything mm. indeed indeed but yeah uh it's a tr tricky one should you mix yourself i try and mix it as best as i can the main problem I have isn't the actual mix, like a mix. The problem I have is finishing the song. I always go back, like the song I showed you um, earlier, I think that's version seven. I've got seven different versions of the song. I don't, maybe version five is better, maybe version one's better, maybe version seven, but I always go back and I change it. I can't finish the song, so which is why I give it to someone else to mix and master, then that's it, it's done. Mm. Yeah, I think some of that is like, because then you've committed to it and you've yes. sent it off. Yes. But if you're doing it all yourself, there's no lines in the sand there. Yeah, a lot of the time there's no, if if you're not working with a band or there's no time frame as well, you get it done whenever you want. Sometimes, you, yeah, that's the problem I have with mixing. But the solution the found is find someone to kind of polish it up and once it's mastered, it's not getting touched. That's it. That is it. It's done. Even if like, it could be better slightly. I'm like, no, you have to have to just get it out there. It's never going to get done. Do you? I have um, WAV files on my hard drives, where it's like labeled, "This is the final one." Dot WAV, and then it's, "This is the final one." V two. <laughs> and then it's like, Chris, this is the actual one. V two. You get different types of producers. You get the organized yeah. producer who label it. The date, the name, the version. You get best mix, final mix type producers. <laughs> and you get other ones who just give it random names. Yeah, yeah. I've gone through all three of them. Best mix blue, best mix yeah, red, yeah, yeah, best yeah, yeah. mix. Final edit this time. Yeah, yeah. 
This is the one. Yeah. I do have one that says, Chris, this is the final one dot web. Let's, let's have it. Let's, let's just throw, throw this out there. So if you're going to film a podcast mm. and it was, uh, no, let's say you had a discussion with one of your good friends in a pub, bar, cafe, wherever, restaurant. Yeah. Can you think of any legendary conversations you had and wish you filmed it? I can think of a few. Uh, I don't know. Some of them, some some of them probably should stay at the pub. A bit too explicit for the... It's not even that. It's just like, it's just... Pub chat. It's stuff that only those two True, people would yeah. find funny. Like you had to be in the room. Because even like our other friends around us aren't finding it funny and the two of us are just like you know laughing yeah you talk about certain like little anecdotes you know yeah, like yeah. you and I would talk about egg shower which means nothing to anyone else egg shower so we have little stories that only you oh, and them will know about God. so you kind of have to explain the story but during the, the pub chat or whatever you're not going to be explaining the background of the story egg shower is very difficult to there explain there you go there you go difficult to explain there's a lot of stuff around that yeah yeah yeah, I mean, but it's all about it. It is the anecdotes at the end. Of the day. Yeah. You record, you record a podcast, maybe an hour, an hour and a half long. You've got fifteen anecdotes, and then that's that. But that's one of those could really take off actually on TikTok. You have to do it right because the the anecdote has to land in that. I don't know whatever small period of time it is now. I think it's actually getting longer on TikTok now, isn't it? Um, it could change. It could change. Things change. Change is the only constant. Well, there's a guy that we know. I won't mention his name, but we were kind of analysing his t- TikTok last night, and uh, I don't get it. No, he's very, very popular, over a million uh, followers, mm. and uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's too, That's too like fluffy, too like light, too like silly for me. Maybe someone does. Maybe I'm not the demographic. Well, you're not. It's not even demographic because that's quite wide. Even like it's not. It's just not that niche. It's not you are not in that audience because audiences are actually. This is a good point, and this is people something people don't think about enough. I think is that on the internet, audiences are vertical, right? Because but we still use kind of like old horizontal thinking to think about audiences but audiences can be extremely niche you know like they can be um, a fraction of the people who play a particular niche video game that follow three streamers on Twitch and that's a community you know what I mean but that's not a demographic is it like it's not you know what I mean yeah but going back to that person on TikTok uh, very popular people Follow him. They like the, the, yeah. they like his content, but I I just don't get it. Just but he does me. a he does a niche as well. But a good thing about a niche yeah. is there can still be a million people in a niche. Yeah, but but my point is, what you don't think works may work for someone else. Yeah, what you don't what you don't like isn't necessarily what everyone doesn't like. Art is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. It's all subjective, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, he's, uh, his, but his, who are we to say anything about his content? He's got a million Yeah, he may look at my stuff and be like, not into that. Yeah. So who knows? People are different. Yeah, he does have a million followers, which is a lot of followers for something that I don't understand. <laughs> I don't yeah. get. I don't. Yeah, very bizarre to me. His followers seem to travel with him as well, which is interesting. 
Oh, from the different projects that he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that's hard to do, actually. It's hard to do. That's when you know, that's when you arguably know you've got a brand, actually. It's difficult. Do you want to be broad and appeal to a lot of people or do you want to be more niche and have more hardcore fans? I personally rather have be more niche and have more hardcore fans than be kind of, do you know what I mean, too broad. Mm. But I guess you get people through the front door with the broad content and then you can kind of niche it down and kind of segment it for different types of people, different, yeah. That's what they call members. the funnel, I suppose, isn't it? Yes, yes. The top kind of layer sales of and marketing. The, yeah. Top layer of the funnel is the wide brand awareness layer and then you have your subscribers underneath that might be a fraction of the top layer and then a fraction and fraction and fraction until you get to the bottom of the funnel the core fans who buy all your t-shirts who buy your cds you know and they're the ones who probably pay the bills cds cds mm -hmm. compact disc thomas you can't actually play a cd no but that's not that's okay i'm gonna say this now the point of a cd and vinyl they're merch their merch item. I do miss having their little booklet in the CD and reading about yeah, the yeah. band and seeing the pulling out and seeing the photographs. Yeah. That was good fun. Like I bought my mate's CD at his gig recently, and it's still in the cellophane. Always will be, but I'm happy to have it. You know, because I was like, I was reading the, the you know like the credits and everything and where it was recorded and just love it. It's a piece of art, you know. True. The artwork and all of that. Even tapes. Are to sell tapes on Bandcamp, no, like few people who have those tapes are probably actually playing them. Yes, I have no tape players anymore. No, but people buy it because it's stuff. It's like T-shirts. It's swag. It's swag the word. Yeah, yeah. Stuff we all get. Here's a question for you: What do you think people can uh, sell to the fans that doesn't require any postage or packaging? So digital downloads. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm crazy about, like people don't know this a lot actually, is that um, on Bandcamp, for example, if you do a digital, uh, like a deluxe edition of your album, you can actually add media to it. So you could you could have like a PDF version of a of a liner notes of an album liner notes or an you know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like credits yeah. and all of that stuff and lyrics. You could make in Canva, like a well-branded PDF version of that and add that to your album, you know, and sell that to your fans as part of the package, which is a nice way of creating a package out of something digital. But the good thing is as well, there are actually platforms that will do the production and fulfillment of merch for you without you upfront in the cost. You just take a share of the profit. Teespring for t print-on-demand t-shirts. Yeah, loads of stuff like that. Um, but you can also set experiences, like, you know, if you have a Patreon and your Patreon subscribers get Zoom gigs every month and that sort of thing. You know, I believe in that sort of thing. It's wild uh, Teespring or other Redbubble or other, other stores like that. I remember playing gigs uh, as a teenager. You take, like, a big cardboard box full of t-shirts to the gig selling for five pounds each yeah lugging this box around now people can just you don't even have to do that you don't have to we design it print it we have to design it but they'll print it and send it to the door yeah. it's, it's wild you never even see it changed. you never, no, even never see, even see, see it wild yeah. yeah i think there's uh there's something to, to be said for both though sometimes you might want the the infant inventory and then like and you can 
stock that at home and you can personally, I mean, I love a trip to the post office and you can personally sign it. You know, t-shirts are good. People wear t-shirts. That's a free promotion. Yeah, yeah. Someone's walking around with Iron Maiden t-shirt. They're promoting Iron Maiden all the time. If you're a marketing executive, you might go, oh, well, when they go to the shops, I'm garnering a thousand impressions when they do that from my logo on the on the t-shirt. You could justify it and think about it that way. You could even give, well, I don't know if this will make any money, but you could even give the t-shirts away for like free or no profit. So you're the yeah, lowest yeah. price possible. So well, let, let, let's say you give the t-shirts or you sell the t-shirts and you break even. Yeah. So that way you still get free marketing promotion. You yeah. give the t-shirts at a, a, a reasonable price. Maybe you the could profit argue. profit is the gross impression. Yeah, getting. more people might buy it because it's lower priced and then you're getting all the, sure. the marketing exposure from that. Sure. Yeah. So you could, yeah, justify as a marketing. But expense. if they're a hardcore fan, they might pay an extra five pound for it or whatever. Yeah. So. And you can, yeah, make a profit. Are there any uh, bands you remember buying a t-shirt from that you were so excited you had the t-shirt? Killswitch Engage. Killswitch Engage, okay. Both of my bands today have been metal bands, but most of them are for me. I remember getting In Me t-shirt. Do you remember In Me? No. Uh, like 2002. Like, Because it was kind of like, they they were big, but they're never like mainstream. So it felt a bit cooler when you had something that was a little bit more, a little bit underground, you know what I mean? Well, are they, what are they like a new metal band or something? Or a rock band, I guess. Oh. Yeah. I only say I'll play, was... I'll play some to you after. They're, they're decent. Yeah. But anyway, my point is because they weren't mainstream, I felt a bit cooler wearing a t shirt. Yeah, sure. So if you're wearing a Metallica t shirt, sure, Metallica are great, but everyone wears a Metallica t shirt. I love Metallica, though. Would you wear a Metallica t shirt or would you feel a little bit too no, generic? No, I don't like You're still wearing? Okay. When you see Justin Bieber walking over a Metallica t-shirt, it kind of loses its, its uh, coolness. I have three tall t-shirts now, though. Tall's kind of more of a cult following than, yeah, yeah. say, Metallica. That's why I feel cool like, wearing like, one. Like, like your, your parents or someone will probably know a few Metallica songs, but they won't know any tall songs, I'm sure. On the other end of the spectrum, there's Iron Maiden and ACDC, and probably a lot of people wearing those t-shirts have never listened to their music or even know they exist as an artist. You know how some brands exist beyond the band? Yes, but I made and do have really cool graphics. Yeah, definitely. That's probably how it emerged in that way, you know? The Eddie, the mascot, and the, yeah. the whole kind of historical references on the images. Is, yeah. That is great. Really That's good. a good... Like, I Maiden are one of the best brands. Let me not Kiss. Just band. Kiss as well. Yeah, ACDC. Yeah, ACDC, of course. You know, they, they, their brands... Uh, what's the word? exist beyond them, you know, in domains that are nothing to do with the music or, or what have you. Um, I think Metallica, like, even if never listened to a Metallica song in your life, you'll recognize that logo. Yeah. You know, that one. You'll know the name Metallica. Yeah. Well, who are some other brands in music that... Beatles. Beatles, yeah. Rolling Stones, that, that Kiss yeah. uh, logo. The mouth, the yeah. yeah, yeah, the mouth, yeah, yeah. Beatles, obviously. People get tattoos of that logo. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Janice from uh, Sopranos. <laughs> You've reached, recently watched Sopranos. Recently watched Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, she has a Rolling Stones logo tattooed on her. <laughs> uh, who else? This is a good question. Um, really good kind of brands. 
Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, yeah. I mean, even just that image of the the of the in on Dark Side of the Moon in the what do you call that? Because that's like a mathematical, scientific kind of concept, yeah, isn't I'm not it? Sure, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's where the the light. Uh, and you get a rainbow from it. Yeah. Write down in the comments below if you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Rolling Stones do it the best. That that like tongue logo, yeah, the yeah. mouth logo. That's so iconic. That is iconic. Yeah, I can't think of a band that has a more iconic logo than that. Michael Jackson was probably one of the biggest brands in music ever. Yeah, he had some hits though. Yeah, yeah, he had hits. Yeah, and it was more around him yeah. rather than an entity. Queen? Queen. Yeah. Queen. A hundred percent. I'm trying to think of a band or an artist that had a logo that was more iconic than right. Rolling Stones. Right. Kind of 40 Licks or maybe that name of the album that has that tongue, that has that mouth on it. I think 40 Licks was the album that had that mouth on it, but they had that logo beforehand. Yeah, I can't think of an artist or band that has a more iconic logo than Rolling Stones. Mm. We're talking about logos now, right? Yeah. So. Apart from maybe Nike. <laughs> but that's not an artist or band. No. I haven't got a logo like that. If I can come up with a really cool logo like that, woo. obviously the Rolling Stones have been around a very long time and have some very successful songs. That I'm sure that adds to it as well. Logos are a thing. You know. It's kind of the character. You think of Rolling Stones, you think of like uh, Mick Jagger who's kind of strutting around on stage with his big mouth. Kind of yeah. The way he looks is very unique. Cliff Richard being all like kind of crazy and cool and stuff. You think of the... Charlie Watts, the kind of more straight edge style drummer. These yeah. kind of unique personalities in the band as well. You too? Mm, yeah. There's a logo there, but they are definitely a brand. Yeah, but you think of you too. You think of Bono and The Edge. I don't know who the other two are. <laughs> they are the brand. They yeah. are you too, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you think you're going to have a big band, but you call yourself The Edge. But Metallica, that is an entity. There's not really, even Hetfield isn't the dominant Metallica person. They are Metallica. I'd argue the, the bass player less so than, because he's the new member. N yeah. New. new. <laughs> but the original bassist is Cliff. very much part of the story. Very much. You know, with what happened. And that's a good point, isn't it? That's the story. Maybe Blink-182, going back to them. They really have personality. Like, people used to go crazy for Mark, yeah. Tom and Travis. I know he's a new member now. But like, the personality of those band members, because uh, their song lyrics are kind of very relatable for teenagers and uh, the, the differences between the two front men, how, how they wrote songs and the, yeah, it's the whole story. It's kind of like a, yeah. If they're on social media back then, well, they did that without social media. Imagine yeah. what it's like now. And then there's like 30 seconds to Mars. You can't, you yeah, can't but say... Gerard Leto. Jared Leto, right? Jared you Leto can't, is already a big superstar from But that's like, what I'm saying. You can't... for a dream and stuff. I mean, that's literally you know, proof of concept right there. You can't have a conversation about 30 Seconds to Mars without also mentioning Jared Leto because, well, he's bigger than the band, actually. Because yeah. he's an actor. He does a lot of different stuff. Um, and, uh, but that's when there's like two, but there's obviously a dominant, he is 30 Seconds to Mars, right? Pretty much, yeah. It, well, if he left the band. It, yeah. You know, if the guitarist left the band, I'm sure they could continue. But if he left the yeah, band. Yeah, right. It, fall apart and really. that's how you know isn't it can they leave the band yes. I mean maybe if Hetfield left Metallica 
I think the only replaceable ones was Robert, the bass player. Because he's because yeah. not there's anything wrong with him. He's a very good bass player. Just because he's the but you could the replaced, newest, yeah. and he wasn't there when they wrote their iconic albums and stuff. You can't replace Kirk. I don't no, think. you can't replace Lars either. Lars is the boss. He's the chief executive officer of Metallica. Yeah, even though he's kind of the the least technical like musician of the band, yeah. he's he's a very important role, a very important member of the band. I mean, Hetfield was saying on a video once he was like, "Oh yeah, Lars is the business." You know, like it's almost like he's the man, the creative director of Metallica. Like he makes, he calls the shots. I think he is the the beast behind Metallica. Here's a good example: Some Kind of Monster, the the documentary, mm -hmm. which is by itself a really good documentary. I think if you're a documentary person, you watch that, and you think that was a good documentary. Yes, but I do not think Saint Anger was their best album. No, but it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Like, yeah. That. That album actually allowed them to make the film, which I believe actually is better than the album. No, is is was uh, not insignificant to their brand and their audience. Actually, you know, because I know I had a much different impression of them after watching the film, and I thought it was really interesting, and like everything that they went through for that whole process. That piece of film that they've got, they, they had a black album film as well back in the day. They've actually always been really good at multimedia. I didn't really know that much about the personality until I saw some kind of monster. Obviously, I heard exactly, um, exactly. Uh, all their older stuff when Cliff Burton was in the band. But now that's part of the impression you have of them, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see them like you know, and you get to know them. You get to know Lars and Kirk and and. Do you uh, think it's a good idea James. for music artists to make kind of documentaries in the studio, or at least vlogs? Or I think it's just a good proof of concept, isn't it? It's just like you know. Fans want more. They want to know that you know. That's, I think they want to know you as a person. They want to know. They want yeah. to know how did you get here. They because also if I'm promoting an artist to you, I'm like, oh Thomas, man, because I can't. You know, before you actually hear the music, I have to sell it to you. And if I'm obsessed with them, I'm like, oh man, like with I'm, the way I sell tour, I'm like, oh yeah, they like they went they were in the dark for like 13 years, and then that. They just came back. They put all their music on streaming platforms, digital platforms suddenly. And then they released, oh my God, like, you know, like it's the story. Like that's what your, your promoters, your, you know, like that subset of your fans who do your marketing for you, the way they do it is by telling your story, right? That's how they do it. Like when you're promoting a band to me, or I'm promoting a band to you, I'm telling we're telling the stories. Good example is Fifty Cent. Yeah. So him get I think was shot Getting nine shot, times, yeah. which is and survive, which is crazy. That's man. a lot of times to get shot and still survive. And he used to be uh, like a, like a gangster and stuff, and turned his life around and mm. became a very successful music artist. It's just crazy that like, yeah, his story is as powerful as his music. He has got some good songs, but obviously produced by Dr. Dre was. And his first album was, but like that story. Like I watched the Defiant ones recently, which is a docu series on Netflix about uh, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Since then, I've been listening to Eminem and Dr. Dre all over again, so much because I'm I'm connecting it with the story now. I've even got a playlist on my Spotify account with the songs in a in a, such a way that reminds me of the story. Yeah, like and the then movie. I watched Eight Mile. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it's just like the movie Eight Mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 
that final rap battle in yeah, 8 Mile. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, Eminem is talented. That is... Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't freestyle in the movie, but like... Sure. When I heard that final rap battle, I was like, wow, Eminem's got some chops. He is good. And, and everyone who watched that back in the day wanted to be a rapper immediately yeah. afterwards. However, that you could argue they're the very, very, like, I don't know, 0.001% of people who make it. Yeah, of course. Of course. But... But you can still do it in, in nowadays. Yeah. Like maybe with 50 Cent and uh, Eminem back then, you have to have like Just a big Just don't get record. shot. Don't get shot nine times. Don't recommend it. You have to have like a big record company and distributors yeah, and publishing, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But nowadays you can do it all yourself. You can make film. You may not be a superstar like Eminem or 50 yeah. Cent, but you can still be a professional musician. And it's not, oh, by the way, you have to have a documentary. It's like, no, it's just, it's, it's something. It's some content. It's some video content to support what you do in your story. And 50 Cent also had a movie and a book yeah. co-written with Robert Greene as well. Yeah. So I just don't think it's an accident that these things happen. Like it's, you know, it's like all of my favorite bands, old bands, bands who put out albums before I was born. I'm forever finding clips on YouTube of them from back in the day. Oh yeah. Someone in that room knew to film that thing. I love seeing like old right? Pink Floyd live performances. Yeah. They're great. So good. But not even just the live stuff, just behind the scenes, random interviews from like back in the day. Like I've been a Metallica fan for a long time and YouTube has been around for a lot of that time. And I'm still finding new random clips of Kirk and James and, and whatever on YouTube, you know? Someone filmed, someone knew in the room on the day to film it. But imagine if they had smartphones and they could have... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's amazing. I'm like, well, someone would have had to have actually had a camera. Yeah, like a an beast of a camera, like a piece huge of equipment. camera yeah. and like a shotgun mic and stuff. Yeah. It wouldn't have been easy. Yeah, exactly. Now you just get this out and there you go, boom. So someone was invested, you know, someone's like, oh, video is important. I make music, but video is important, you know, sort of thing. It's wild when you see these old-fashioned documentaries, these huge cameras and yeah, yeah. teams of people around. I was like, man, this... And these, these cameras we're filming right now are probably better. Yeah. The little little light cameras. It's, it's all for the DVD, isn't it? <laughs> all for the, the VHS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The DVD special, deluxe. Oh, I used to always get DVD Blue specials. Blu-ray. I didn't have one of them. I'm not that fancy. I think you only had Blu-ray if you had a PlayStation at the time. I'm not sure. I, I just knew it was the... The much more expensive DVDs that are higher quality. So, uh, thanks for joining me on this podcast discussion. Hopefully, we Thank get you. some juicy segments out of it. Chop it up, stick it around. That's the Put idea. Put it on all the different platforms. Make get a some, documentary. Yeah, make a documentary, vlog camera. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> we'll sell it to Netflix. That's the thing. Us having this discussion like this, if someone's watching, um, this is very different from like our online courses or your kind of consulting that you do. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot more free, a lot more open. Mm. Hopefully people get to know our personalities more. Yeah. And us talking right now is a lot easier than maybe like scripting out something really technical. I mean, even people I work with, they're like, oh, I was listening to your podcast or whatever. You know, and it's, it just creates an impression, doesn't it? Yeah, different. You need, you need the kind of professional polished product as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the kind of behind the scenes, the podcast, the getting to know the personality really yeah. adds to it. So you can't just have a pod... If you have like a really good album, for example, and you have a podcast, awesome. Uh, I do think you, they both work hand in hand. That's my point. Mm. So, yeah. Good discussion. Good chat, man. Good chat. Always good. Till next time. Maybe you've got to do it online next time. Maybe in person. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
technology though, we can do it online if we need to. Any final messages for anyone watching? No. No? Well. Unlock your sound. Link below, Chris's YouTube channel. Yeah. There you go. Unlock your sound. It's a website. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, so it helps uh, music artists promote their music. and. It's an, Yeah. Unlock your sound. Google technical it. Technical stuff as well. It's an online resource for independent artists or DIY artists, that sort of thing. And producers. Go. There you go. I feature on some videos as well. So check you it do. Out. You do. I'll link below. What about you, Thomas? What about you? Well, if all you're watching this on my YouTube channel, so, oh, yeah. so but yeah, Tom, ThomasGeorge.com for all the goodies. There you go. For all the good, the all good the bits. Goodies, all the good bits. Just head over to the website. That's yeah. another thing. If you have your own website, how about as a hub? Actually, that's a good point. We have um, we have a bunch of resources. Like if go to unlockyoursound.com, you can unlock a bundle of resources. You can unlock your sound. Yeah. Right. There See what you, it did. Hence the name. That's the you know, the call to action. Maybe you could have a marketing one called Unlock Your Brand. Ooh. If you want to branch, yeah. branch away from artists, but you want your niche. You want your niche, Thomas George. You want your niche, right? All right. Cheers watching at home. Cheers, everyone.